Well, good morning, everyone. Well, a few of us are still just getting our seats, and I just want to thank you, everyone, here for coming this morning. It's kind of still nice, a little bit of nice weather right now, and it's kind of nice right before we get in this long stretch of cold weather once again. But as Joy mentioned earlier, it is the last Sunday in January. We are getting closer to that thaw out, so it's nice. As some of you get your seats here, some of you are probably looking from the back, and you're thinking, hey, that Pastor Mark guy looks kind of funny today. He's not wearing those tight jeans, and he's not, he hasn't had that green sweater on us. What's, what's up with that? Yeah, it's true. I, I'm, I'm not Mark DeVos, and my name is Tyler Fitt, and um, Pastor Mark wouldn't let me borrow his green sweater for today, so we're going to have to do without. Mark asked me to continue on with our sermon with the series that we're in right now, which is called Know Christ, Serve Others, Make Him Known. I told him, yeah, of course, Mark, I can do that. It's not a problem. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, ah, I got a better idea. And I said to Mark, I said, hey, wouldn't it be a really cool idea if we could find out more about all of you, all the people here today? You know, I said, a great idea might be, let's find out what the resolutions were. You know, we're at that point where people may or may not have kept their resolutions. And if you've ever worked with Pastor Mark, he's really great. He's such an easygoing guy. Never says no to anybody, unless you're me. <laughs> no, 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 Tyler, he said. I, we need to focus on the message. Know Christ, serve others, make him known. But Mark didn't see that I did was this message and resolutions has Christ centered right in the middle of it. But before we get there, I'd like to get a little bit of participation from everyone here. I want you, everyone here, raise your hand if you ever in your entire life have done a resolution. Raise your hand. Be honest. Yeah, okay. So I thought, now keep your hand raised if you've kept it the whole year. Yeah, you know what? That's about right. I was reading a study that 80% of people, by the time... February comes along, have already failed their resolution. That's really just shocking to me. Why is it that, why do we fail? Why are we failing resolutions? Every year we make a promise, which is basically what a resolution is. And every year we break that promise. I'm going to be honest with you, I've made resolutions. I've made the most common resolutions everyone else makes that you typically hear. This year, I'm going to eat healthier. This year, I'm going to work out. This year, whatever the case might be. It's every year, there's some sort of resolution. I used to do this every time. The one year, I actually said, this year, I plan on losing weight. I'm going to eat healthier this year. Well, Super Bowl came around. I ate, and this is the only way I can remember, I ate three bowls of chili, about six to eight slices of pizza, about a dozen wings, and I had room for dessert. I didn't lose any weight that year. <laughs> Plus, I had leftovers the next day, so I really didn't lose any weight for that year. There was, uh, that wasn't even the best one. The best one I said was one time I was going to get in shape. I'm going to go to the gym. I really want to get in shape. So I go to the gym. I go to the local Y. And I get one of these arm machines, and I'm, I'm pushing. <laughs> Nothing. Put the weight down. The weight's on 10 pounds. What is wrong? Ugh, nothing. 
can't figure out what's wrong. Guy comes up to me and goes, uh, sir, you're sitting on it backwards. <laughs> I was embarrassed. I was really embarrassed. I know I don't seem like I get embarrassed often, but I did. I actually never went back to that gym for about three or four years later. And I grew a mustache so they wouldn't recognize me. It's pretty easy to see why I failed. But what went wrong was I was trying to do something to make me better. And I was saying earlier, it was easy for me to give up because in the end, as a promise, the only person I'm disappointing is me. Now, if we think of it still as a promise, have you ever made a promise to someone else? How hard is it to break that promise? It's, it's difficult. It's easy when we do it for ourselves, but when you have to do it for someone else, it's hard to do. So I thought of something different. I said, what if I changed my thinking on resolutions? Maybe something completely different. What if my resolution was to ensure my wife ate better and she worked out? When I told her this, I woke up a few hours later on the kitchen floor popped right on out. I can't force my wife to eat healthier or work out while I sit there and I eat junk food. I'm sure anyone who's ever lived in a house with someone else there knows that as soon as you start eating junk, they start to follow suit. The other people in the house will start to eat as well. Also, if I go to the gym, well, Amy's more likely to join me as well. If I cut down on the junk food... Amy's more likely to do it. Now, let's go back to this whole idea of resolutions from before. You notice that in this scenario, there's probably a more positive outcome. And why is that? Because the resolution isn't inward-focused. It's more outward-focused. We're focused on others. Yet, we still make resolutions for ourselves. Why do we do this? What does the Bible say? Because in the end, this is what we're here for. Something from the Bible must be here to tell us. And there is something that is there. And Paul actually talks about in Philippians. We'll pull up the verse. Feel free to follow along in your Bible or open up your phone, turn your phone. We're going to look at Philippians 3, and we're going to go through verse 7 through 11. We're going to talk through the verse, and then we're going to break it down a little bit. And we're going to see how the Bible talks about resolutions. Paul says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness, righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering. They come and like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. So what is Paul trying to say here? Let's, let's try and break it down today. We're going to go back to the first verse here. And the first thing he's talking about is Whatever were gains to me, I now consider a loss. What's Paul trying to say here is that he, everything that benefited himself, or even for me, 
They're, they're nothing. It's not worth a thing when I consider what Jesus has done for me. Paul takes it even a step further. Paul says, everything I've ever done, everything that's ever mattered, it's garbage. It doesn't matter. And that's pretty strong terms. Now, let's relate this back to what I was saying earlier. We're talking resolutions. We're talking promises. The purpose of a resolution is our own gain, right? That's what a resolution is. I promise I will get in shape. I promise I will work out. I promise to walk more. I, I, I. We can see the theme. It's about us. But then Paul comes and tells us that everything he's gained for himself is nothing. That's big. This is huge. This is huge when we're thinking of this in our terms of ourselves and resolutions. And I want to give you a little bit of understanding of Paul as well. Paul is not like an average run-the-mill type guy. He's not an average person who's just like you and I. Paul is coming from a rich family. He's highly sought after. He's well-educated. There is great accolades that comes with Paul. He's part, he's part of the Roman citizenship, which was something you had to be born in Rome to be a part of. And he's a Jewish leader on top of that. So he's literally the top dog in two of the biggest camps of the world at this time. And what does he say? It's garbage. Garbage. How is that garbage? Because everything that he was doing, it was self-gain. Resolutions are for self-gain. We are doing things to make us better. Let's go to verse 9. And verse 9 says, Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through the faith in, Jesus, and faith in Christ. Paul is trying to say it doesn't matter what accolades he achieves. The only thing that matters, and something maybe we can all relate to, is that we need to believe in Jesus. This is powerful. So anytime we've done something that's for ourselves, it shouldn't matter as much as our own faith in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter whatever he does here in the world. It only matters to have Jesus in the center of it. Now, I don't want to start giving you this negative connotation around resolutions because it's really not the case. Changing, which is what a resolution also is, is a good thing. It makes you healthy. It might surprise you. Jesus made resolutions. There's different times when you see Jesus growing. Now, when I'm saying resolutions with Jesus, I don't want you to picture New Year's Eve. Jesus is sitting around with disciples. He's got a glass of wine in one hand. Well, it was water. And he's got a horn blower in another hand. And he's sitting there saying to the disciples, you know... This year I'm making a resolution. I have a resolution to make all of you better. Peter denies him three times before midnight, but Jesus still insists he will do it. How? How can he do this? How does he do that? Resolutions 
or a promise to change something in our lives. Jesus made a resolution to change our lives by dying on the cross. We have this big fancy word in school that I use whenever I want to get an A, and it's called sanctification, which just simply means changing into becoming holy. So Jesus' resolution was not, was to, I do not want to go another day without having all of you in my life. Isn't that amazing? That's an amazing resolution. I think to myself how great it feels when I get on the bathroom scale and I lose five pounds, but meanwhile, Jesus gave his entire life to spend eternity with us. We're so concerned about changing our outward expressions, our outward looks, our everything about us, that we don't look inward and we don't look to others around us. I want to bring us back to this idea of what the message has been this past few weeks and for this series. And it's know Christ, serve others, make him known. I want you to think, what would happen if you walked up to a complete stranger and said, Hi, we've never met, but I've made a resolution for you today. I've made a resolution that your life will be better from now until eternity. They wouldn't believe you. They think you lost your marbles. But you can offer them a chance to know Christ. If you missed the handouts, if you missed the e-blasts, if you missed the screens up the front, a couple weeks' time, we're having a community groups here. This is our chance to serve. This is our chance to bring people that wouldn't normally set foot inside a church. We're going to be offering different types of services. Matt talked about the one earlier. There's also going to be some single parenting. Alpha. There's a money matters course, which with no reason, I do highly endorse. Just, just saying. We cannot offer eternal life courses. But we can offer an introduction to Jesus. Can you imagine how people would react if we showed this unwarranted kindness to help them? When I say this, I don't expect anyone to just suddenly go out in the streets and start preaching like Paul, to point them to community groups. Everyone, come, we need to change your lives. I don't expect that. But I hope that maybe, just maybe, there's someone in our lives who could benefit from these groups. I'll share with you one final story. This actually just happened just when I was writing this sermon the other day. I work in an office in a steel plant as an accountant. And this one guy came up to me, and he's a really great guy. Do you have that one person where you work or did work with, just bend over backwards to help you? Anyone have that? Like, I, I'm really blessed to have this guy in my life. And anytime he comes and brings something to me, I always say, thank you, I really appreciate it. And he says, you know, he said, Tyler, I have no problem helping you. He said, but there are some people in this organization who only care to help themselves. Hmm. Writing this sermon, I think that's, that really stopped me in my tracks. And I really stopped to think, it's like, where's Jesus in their lives? You know? Maybe they've made a resolution that's more inward focus for self-gain. But what would happen if they knew Jesus had done for them? Would they act selfish as well? Do you know someone like this? 
I wonder if we share what, with them what Paul thought they should do with all these resolutions. The sanctification that Jesus wants for all of us is summed up in the very last verse of Philippians. Verse 11, the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. That's sanctification. If it's the end of January, and it would be all great, maybe if we could just do another resolution, a restart on this whole idea of resolutions. A resolution to know Christ and make everyone we know know him. We don't have to preach it like Paul, who would tell everyone who he came across, but we can serve like Christ, serving our neighbors, our friends, family, and even our co-workers. Maybe that will open the door for them to ask, who is Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning. We just are so blessed that you've come down from the heavens to be with us. When you came to us, you didn't leverage that you were God. You, you humbled us, Lord, and you, you became a servant in human likeness. You even went and you died on the cross for us just so we can spend eternity with you. How blessed are we to receive this amazing gift of grace. And Father, as we continue to learn to know and serve like you, we also ask that you be with us to help all nations, all family, all friends and co-workers know who you are and that your love is eternal. Thank you, Lord, just for everything you're doing in our lives and all the blessings you give. And we just pray this all in your son, Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite Pastor Mark up here, and he's going to just do a little interview here. Thank you so much, Tyler. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'd like to invite Klaus up. Uh, so we're doing a, a series on our vision, know Christ, serve others, make him known. Uh, our church also has this motto within this vision of everyone disciples one. Uh, and this vision, this vision is, this motto is very um, ambitious. So let's say I, I were to go up to Brian, who I just sat with, so I'll pick on him. Uh, and I were to say, Brian, would you disciple me? It's like saying, Brian, will you marry me? Um, it's a big step if I haven't really known Brian for a very long time. Um, it's, it's better just to say, hey, Brian, look, I respect the way you're following Jesus, the way you're serving Jesus. You want to grab a coffee sometime? Um, and so this testimony with, with Klaus, we're actually going to just, I'm going to ask him some questions as if we're just grabbing a coffee. Um, any one of you can go up to Klaus and say, Klaus, you want to grab a coffee? Klaus is a seasoned saint. He has been, yeah, yeah, he says, yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and he pays too, which is great. Uh, and so he's a, he's a seasoned saint, and so there's so much to learn from a Klaus, um, and there are many 
uh, in our church who are just seasoned saints. They have a lot of wisdom. And so rather than Klaus just sharing his testimony, I'm just going to ask him some questions. What's nice about Klaus is you don't even need to ask questions. He just talks. Uh, yes. So we'll start with this first question, Klaus. Uh, can you share a scripture passage that uh, has meant a lot to you in your journey of coming to know Christ? Yeah, it's uh, Romans uh, 8, verse, uh, I think it's tw- tw- uh, 27 and 28. And it said there, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And I, I thought that first, you know, when I, I hear that, how can I be a conqueror without God? Yeah? And then it says there, um, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither the present nor the future, nor anything else in all of our lives can separate us from the love of God that is Christ Jesus. And I think it's such a beautiful word that whatever we have, whatever we do, eh, that God has got a hold of us and will hold us where we are. That he led us, you know, to be our conquerors, not just believe, but we are conquerors through Jesus Christ. That we, all the difficulties we have through our lives, and also in my life, and that God was there every moment and has helped us, and Fanny and me, both through that, and that we became also um, aware of in our life that God was right beside us all the time, led us, guided us, and that was our, yeah. That was one of my, the, the text I really, the, the text I really enjoyed, yeah. yeah. That's beautiful, thank you, uh, thank you, Klaus. Uh, the next question. Uh, we have this vision of knowing Christ, mm-hmm. serving others, making him known. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does this vision uh, mean to you? Like, like why are you yeah, here? Yeah, okay. yeah. There, there was a time in my life, it might be a night before 97, I believe very strongly within the church, the ministries within the church, that were the ministries. Till I went to Willow Creek uh, one year, and the leadership conference, it really shook me up because all of a sudden you saw a church, 14,000 people going to that church in those days. And, and, you know, it was amazing. It was, I felt touched by God. I remember that on a Thursday afternoon, I was standing on the balcony, but praising the Lord, and that all of a sudden, the balcony moved. Now, I don't think the balcony moved, but Clavin moved. But I, re- I did not know. I thought for sure that the balcony moved. And I was convinced of it. And, but it wasn't at the balcony. It was, it was class removed. In that time, you know, it became a point that all of a sudden that I realized, you know, that the ministries within the church between ourselves is important. But to reach out, that's what Jesus wants us to do. When we read Matthew 28, you know, it says go out in the world. Go out and bring the gospel wherever we can to do whatever we have to do. And I think that's the point we should bring more forward in our lives and uh, that we talk to people who do not know the Lord, that does not mean that you have to push the right down his throat right away. You have to be doing this and doing that. No. But you have to be a Christian, a loving person to that person. And then God will work in his heart, and God will make him change, and God will do the changing. And I think we should realize that, that we do not do it ourselves, but God will do that. And, and, and so, so in my life, too, 
if I look back in my life, then God has changed me a lot. You know, from when I was, let's say, in the, in the 60s, in the 70s, in the 80s, you know, God has helped me through life and make me grow. I didn't do it, but God did it. Entering into the six weeks of community groups, starting in two weeks, yeah. um, do you have any advice for people who are going into this kind of a new a new thing? You know, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah new things can be challenging. Uh, any any advice for people in the church? Yeah. Uh, I, I mentioned this before that you know to accept people the way they are, to accept people the way they come. You know, um, I had to learn that too. I have three daughters and they married all non-Dutch, okay? So, uh, not, not, not that that's way, there's not that, that important, but I mean, it, it, there was a custom in our background, okay? But, and I got the three son-in-laws and if I had to produce sons, I could not get them any better than the ones I got at the present time. I accept them the way they were and they, they were good to be with. They loved the Lord. They, they bring the children up to the best of their ability. And, and I do not judge. And because the changing will be done, not by class and not by Fanny. The changing will be done by husband and wife, but mostly through God. I firmly believe that God is the one who's in control, who will change whoever he wants to change. And people can accept that or people can reject that. And I think the most important part is that we are there for them if there is a need that you can answer to them what they are in need of. So, yeah, that's my advice. And is that okay? That's beautiful. We, <laughs> we could go on for another hour here no, easily. No, 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 no. Uh, I'd, I'd like to invite the worship band to come on up. Let's actually thank Klaus for taking a risk here. <laughs> and, and while we're at it, thank Tyler for taking a risk as well.